Well, it's good to be back with you. Like I said earlier, uh, thanks for the uh, time off last week. I was energized and got to spend some time with my wife, which is great. I got a message today for everybody, um, and I do mean everybody, all right, and uh, a problem that everybody faces, and so we're going to be talking about some stuff today that you're going to want to listen to. But before we get to that, okay, I want to leave that pinned up up here. I want to say thank you for Youth Sunday last week. That was amazing, wasn't it? Thank you for uh, the effort that you all put in it, Jason and everybody, Travis and, and Jeremy, and the, the girls singing the music. Um, that was just amazing. And you, you don't know how excited that, that made me feel and how uh, just such a blessing that was to me. Um, it's something I'm passionate about. Uh, people need two things to grow spiritually, really, two things, and young people especially. They need encouragement, number one. Encouragement, just to, to come alongside somebody and say, you know, you're special. You know, God can use you. God's gifted you in certain ways. So everybody needs encouragement, and our young people especially, but also this, opportunity. So if we can provide uh, kids, youth with encouragement and opportunity, uh, that's a way to invest in them that hopefully God will use their lives later on. I know that I didn't do very much until somebody encouraged me. And I know that I didn't uh, do too much until somebody gave me an opportunity. And so I just want to thank you for that, and hopefully we can continue to do that. So uh, today we're going to continue in our series in James. So if you've got your Bible with you, open that up to the New Testament book of James. Now, uh, the hallmark of James is found in chapter 1, verses 2 through 3, and it's on the screen here. Uh, James sets this up from the beginning, and the entire letter uh, sort of flows from these two verses. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Testing produces. Testing produces. Okay, you get that? Testing produces. We're to to have joy in these trials because God is doing something. God is desiring an outcome for our lives. Um, Trials are tests of our faith that are meant to result in perseverance, a stronger faith. But here's the thing for today. There are trials and then there are temptations. Trials and temptations, excuse me, and they're not the same. I know sometimes we get those mixed up. Uh, We tend to relate them to one another, but they're not the same. Trials um, are something to endure. Temptations are something to resist. So you see the difference there. Now, I told you this would be for everyone because why? Everyone faces temptation. Everybody faces some sort of temptation, young or old, it doesn't matter who you are. Now, temptation is the, the one thing, the one thing that worries me most today. Uh, myself. Um, you know, I'm a man, but I'm also a, a human, right? I'm human. And, you know, I have thoughts, I have desires, and, and look, the stuff on the internet, the stuff on television... Um, the instant communication that is available to us today, look, that stuff worries me. I have to be aware of that stuff. Uh, my wife as well, you know, she's a human 
as well. But, but mostly, you know, I think about my kids. I think about the culture that we're in. I think about the pressures that kids are facing these days uh, to be part of the crowd. All, all those things that I have to worry about myself are available to my children now. Uh, the instant communication, the access to the Internet, right? I, I worry about those things. And when we think about temptation, normal, uh, normally we think, well, what's the cause? What's the reason? What's the reason I'm going through this? Where, did this? where did this even come from in my life? Why am I being tempted? Who's responsible for this? Look, we, we naturally do this. We look for a place to lay the blame. And we get caught up in the blame game. You know what that is, right? Blaming others. It, it happens now. Uh, my kids blame each other for everything. So uh, Callie has... Um, scratched hearts in the sequoia with a shark tooth necklace on the outside, you know, the paint. So I caught her doing that, right? So she's responsible for that. But magically there appeared an X on the leather console and pen, a big X. And so I'm asking Callie, did you do that? No, Noah did it. I asked Noah, did you do it? No, Callie did it, right? It's just back, back and forth. And uh, so... What's funny is adults do this too. And, uh, you know, we say things like, well, they do that because of you, <laughs> right? You act that way, so they're that way. And then in daycare, you know, what, what do you do if your kid gets in trouble? Oh, it's somebody else's kid's fault, right? My kid's an angel, you know. I've played that card a few times. Not Noah. No way. It, I mean, it happens now, right, the blame game. It's happened since the beginning, uh, you know, with Adam and Eve, we have Eve uh, eating the apple that God told her not to. And then we have Adam doing it. And then what happened when they got caught? Adam said, Eve made me do it. And Eve said, the serpent made me do it. And the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on, right? <laughs> I'll be serving cheese after the service, okay? <laughs> so... Look, temptation has been around for a long, long time. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. So we're talking about trials. Well, why is James bringing in temptation? Sometimes the temptations come while you're in a trial. You know, and uh, that's a lot of times when you're weak, when you're vulnerable, and, and temptations will come in those trials. We talked about trials two weeks ago, and, and this week we're going to learn a little bit about temptation because it is so important. It's the single most thing that worries me, and it should worry you too. Uh, genuine faith endures trials. We talked about enduring trials, but genuine faith resists temptation. Resist temptation. And if we are to resist temptation, we have to understand temptation. It is a big animal, okay? And if you don't completely understand it, don't know how it operates, don't know how it works, it's going to be hard to resist it. So the first thing that I want us to look at, our scripture focus, we're still in chapter 1. We're going to begin at verse 13. The first thing that we must understand regarding temptation is temptation never comes from God. Temptation never comes from God. Look at verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt 
anyone. Sometimes we think this, and uh, I don't know if we mean anything by it. I don't know if we're accusing God of being bad. But sometimes, just naturally, we think, God, what are you doing? Uh, Why are you doing this to me? And this sort of makes sense. Okay? Why? Because trials come from God. So naturally, we think, okay, trials are coming from God to make my faith stronger. Then possibly, it's, it's rational at least to say that, that temptations come from God too to make my faith stronger. But that isn't the case. James says, no, temptation never comes from God. Why? Because God cannot be tempted. Uh, James grounds his argument in the character of God. In who God is. God is holy. Uh, God is just. God is perfectly righteous. God is sinless. He is not drawn to temptation. What that means is when it says God cannot be tempted is that it would do you no good to try to tempt God. Because he will never ever give into it. It's against his nature. It's against his character. He's, he's repulsed by sin. As a matter of fact, his own word tells us that he hates sin. And because God hates sin, in no way does he want to lead his people to sin. Here's a question. Why would God, who despises sin, sin is against his character, who, a God who sent his own son to die because of sin, why would God want to bring people towards it? You see, it doesn't make sense at all. Now, God, God isn't up there looking for ways to trip you up. I've thought that before. God is not doing that. He's not interested in finding new ways to get you to fall back into your old ways. He is not interested in watching you fail, but he's very interested in seeing your life succeed and to see you live victoriously. That's what God is interested in. God is not the source of your temptation because God cannot be tempted. He has nothing to do with temptation because he is repulsed by it, and it just doesn't make sense. So that begs the question. If God isn't the source of my temptation, if God's not responsible, then who is? You see, naturally, we want to play the blame game, don't we? We want to stay in it. We want to point fingers, and we want to say, okay, God, if it's not you, then who? Temptation is the result of our own sin nature. Temptation is the result of our own sin nature. Verse 14, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Wow, that's tough stuff, isn't it? And James is pretty tough. He's pretty straightforward. James said, it's not God who is to blame for our temptation, but it's you. It's me. It's us. The, the source of our temptation is not God, but it comes from within ourselves. And James used some interesting terms in this verse. He mentions desire, and that is what is deep down inside of us. It's not just a thought. It's not just a want, but it's a deep down longing that's inside of each one of us. Each of us have those desires that we want to see fulfilled in our life. And, and for the most part, those desires begin as good things. They could be like experiencing love. It could be attention. It could be success. You know, it could be popularity. It could be recognition. 
It could be simply friendships. But notice what happens here. Those desires become hijacked. They, They are dragged away or lured away. We become enticed to achieve those desires the wrong way. And the words that James used here are similar words used in in fishing. I know many of you picked up on that. You know, most of the time, fish don't go after an empty hook, do they? What do you have to do? You have to put bait on it, right? You have to put something on it. You have to do what? Entice, Entice them. Or if you're losing a lure, what is that lure meant to mimic? Oh, the real thing, live bait. And so when the fish sees that, he thinks, oh, there's my desire. There's what I want really bad. There's what I'm longing for. And it goes after it. The fish pursues it and eventually takes the bait. Then what happens? It's snagged. It's caught. It's dragged away. And for some of us, that don't even help. Like Barry Alley. He, it's not going to help you at all, Barry. <laughs> the best lure out there. Sorry. <laughs> um, but look, that fishing metaphor, those fishing, uh, that fishing language, that happens to us too. That happens to us. We have desires. We, we see our desires in front of us, and many times we look outside of God's will to fulfill those desires. Many times we seek out the quick option to fulfill our desires. Many times we seek out the easy option to fulfill our desires. And that's when we take the bait, and that's when we become entangled in sin. Okay, And, and just so we understand this relationship between temptation and, and our desires, James explains this out a little bit further in verse 15. He says, Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So James is a, an analogy guy. All right, and we'll see this all throughout the letter. But he used another analogy here that sort of reminds us of childbirth. He uses terms like conceiving, about giving birth, about growing fully. And what he's saying here is simply there's a life cycle to temptation. There's a process to temptation. There's a progression to temptation. And, and I just want to go through this with you really quickly. There's some terms here that show you the process of temptation. First, it begins with desire. It begins with desire. Temptation always begins with a desire. Those are the things that we long for deep down inside of us. And remember, they're not always bad things. Sometimes they might be, right? But for the most part, these are good things. They usually start out good, at least initially. And then what? Something happens. And then that leads us to deception. Deception. This is when the desire within us, that initially good desire, becomes twisted. It, you know, it becomes turned around. And, and many times we want to blame the devil here. Okay? I, I want you to listen. Many times we blame the devil here. Um, we want to play the blame game at this point. But... While it's true that we do have an enemy, and while it is true that the devil was there in the beginning uh, to tempt Adam and Eve, do you know he only spoke a few words? Sometimes that's all it takes is one word for him to drop a thought or a line or just create a small doubt. The rest is on you. The rest is is on me. 
Um, deception is, is when we begin to flirt with options. It, it's, begin, it's when we begin to see how we can achieve or fulfill our desire apart from God's plan for us. This is when we start, we start thinking and we start analyzing, right? And we start asking ourselves questions. What's wrong with getting my desire this way? What's wrong with going this route? Is this really that bad, right? Could this, event, could this really end up being bad for my life? Who's going to find out about this anyway, right? We start doing those things. This deception is this. It's thinking about going the wrong way to get to the right place. It's thinking about going the wrong way to get to the right place. It's flirting with the bad in order to get the good. Deception is this, it's the lure, it's the bait that's on the hook, and it is, it's there, it's, it's waiting, waiting. Waiting for what? For us to act, which leads us to disobedience. Disobedience. Sinful deception becomes a sinful reality when we act upon it. You know, sometimes we've already thought about it. Sometimes we've played it out in our heads over and over again. Sometimes we've went through a whole list of questions and we're ready to act upon it, but sometimes, you know, it's like a fish. It is a spontaneous, spur-of-the-moment, instant decision. You know, disobedience is when we, we choose to do something contrary to what God wants us to do. When the deception in our hearts and the deception in our minds actually plays out in our lives. It's our actions which are very, very, very important, and James will talk about that uh, shortly. We'll get to that in a week or so. But disobedience occurs when we allow deception to marinate within us, to grow within us, to the point where it's almost impossible for us to say no. Right? Once deception has gone so far, it's very difficult for you and for me to turn the other way and to say no. Well, what does disobedience lead to? Now, sin always has a consequence. It always does. That leads to death. It leads to death. Now, the Bible teaches us that sin leads to death. I mean, after all, it's because of sin that we even discuss death, that we even know what it is. And sure, this can mean physical death. Uh, Sure, this can mean spiritual death. But you know what? I think sometimes as Christians, uh, we want to play the grace card. And we want to say, man, I, you know, I, fell, I failed, I messed up, big deal. God forgives me. So uh, I just want to tell you that's not the case. That's the wrong way to look at things. Um, because death also means this. What is death? The opposite of life. Um, death is the opposite of life, so it means when we choose sin, the result is death or the loss of the type of life that God wants for you in, in other words no matter how you put it giving in to temptation leads to devastation it leads to devastation let me give you an example young girl in high school maybe a senior um, desiring love and uh, she's had uh, some boyfriends in the past that have broke her heart hurt her um, She's looking for love and hasn't found it. She has aspirations of being a doctor one day. That's what, she, that's what her dream is. Um, but she looks around and she notices that all her friends seem happy. Uh, and she looks around and notices that all her friends 
are, are doing the same thing. They're having sex. So naturally, she thinks, well, in order to get love, I must have to do this. And so she does. She ends up pregnant. You see, that, that once promising life with full of dreams now looks very different, doesn't it? And you see, I know that God can pull good out of any bad situation. I know God can do that. But here's the thing. That young lady's life now looks very different because she might have to rethink her aspirations. Right? Uh, there's a good chance that uh, the boy may not want to have anything to do with her. There's a good chance that the boy may want to fight her for custody. There's a chance that she may have to get a job to pay her way to college. That, that may mean that she may have to get a job to provide for her child. You see, it just the progression here. Temptation always leads to devastation. Or a young boy. Young boy, promising high school athlete, already has a bunch of Division I offers. Um, his desire is popularity, right? He just wants to fit in. So he goes to a party one night, gets involved with some drugs, leaves with drugs in his possession, gets arrested. Oh, man, a young life. It looks very different now, doesn't it? The outcome, the dreams are shattered. Giving into, into temptation, no matter how you look at it, leads to difficulty. It leads to devastation. And instead of the process of temptation being a life cycle, like we talked about, it's really a cycle of death, isn't it? It results in the life that God never intended you to have initially. So what do we do? How do we battle temptation? How do we resist temptation? If I'm the cause of it, I'm not, very, I'm not much good by myself, right? And if you've got the same problem, if temptation is because of you too, there's only so much help that you can offer me, right? So what do we do? Who can we rely on? Well, God is the one thing we can rely on to bring about absolute goodness. God is the one thing we can rely on to bring about absolute goodness. I love that song y'all did, Jeremy, Running to Your Arms. Many times that, that is our only option, running to God. James turns the focus back around again, and he puts it back on God. Look at verse 16. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Look, don't get things turned around. Don't play the blame game here. Don't blame God for the sin in your life and the temptation you face because of your own heart. Instead, what? Worship God. Praise God. Turn to God. God wants nothing but good for his children. He doesn't want to mess you up. He wants to see you succeed. He wants to help you. And unlike you and me and unlike anybody else, God doesn't change. He does not change. His character stays the same. His goodness stays the same. His mercy endures. His faithfulness is, is never ending. His love is never failing. His ways are always, always, always right for us. He is a good father who desires to bring absolute goodness to our lives. And look, the greatest display of that desire, the greatest display of that love is by him sending Jesus Christ 
to us, to you and to me. Look at verse 18. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits and otherwise a prized possession. We may be uh, his number one, a first fruits of all he created. You know, not only did God create us in the beginning, but after sin, after we messed up, after we became lost, he made a way for us to become found again. He made a way for us to be recreated, to be born again through the, the word of truth, through the gospel, through Jesus Christ, through his only son. And he did that because he's a good God and because he loves us. Here's something to think about. Even though sin and temptation is not the fault of God, he took the blame for it anyway. Did you hear me? Even though sin and temptation was not God's fault, he took the blame for it anyway. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates. I like how that word demonstrates is in the present tense because we constantly need to be reminded of that. We constantly need to think of that when we question God's love, when we question the sin in our life, but God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. James has been telling this this whole time not to play the blame game, not to blame God for the sin and temptation in our life. But the amazing thing is God took the blame anyway. He took the blame anyway. How amazing is that love? God will never tempt you. God isn't against you, and God is for you. And he's there to help you endure the trial and resist the temptation. Now, as we close, just got two things I want to share with you. Two things. First, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Um, take an honest look at yourself. Take an honest look at your life. Take an honest look at your heart. Don't think that sin, don't think that temptation cannot happen to you. Be honest about sin. Be honest about temptation. Know your desires, okay? But also know your areas of weakness. Understand the progression of sin, that uh, temptation that James talked about earlier. And if you mess up, if you mess up, if you mess up, I guess I should say when. When we mess up. Let's don't play the blame game. Let's don't play the blame game. Let's don't blame other brothers and sisters especially. Okay, um, Let's own that. Let's live up to it. God wants us to be real. He wants us to have real faith. And, and genuine faith means that we have real responsibility. We take responsibility. You know, in preparing this message, I was able to go back and read the whole creation thing. Uh, Adam and Eve and Genesis 1 through 3. and You know, I know that's just a basic story, right? Uh, but what I like about God's Word is every time I read it, I seem to learn something. Something stands out to me afresh, new. You know, after Adam and Eve sinned, um, did you know God pursued them? God went out in the garden looking for them. I mean, that's a good God, isn't it? Uh, did you know that when Adam, when God found Adam, what did he do? He asked him a question. He says, have you eaten from the tree? Really? Do you mean God didn't know that? Do you mean he's a sovereign, all-knowing, all-powerful God and he asked Adam a question? Do you know 
when uh, God met with Eve, he asked her a question. What is this you have done? You mean to tell me that God didn't know what she had done? An all-knowing, all-powerful God didn't know? What is God doing there? He's wanting them to take responsibility. He's wanting them to step into that. Stop playing the blame game. What is this you have done? Have you eaten from this tree? He's wanting us to individually see the realities within our hearts, within our uh, minds, to be real about our faith. Look, and we only, we only can grow, we only can mature when we begin to start taking responsibility for our own sin. It helps us to grow. But listen, listen, I'm about done. It helps us to grow, but it also allows him to shower us with grace and mercy. You see, after this ordeal was over, they were shamed. They were naked. They were ashamed of what they had done. They were ashamed of their sin. And, and God made garments to clothe them. And man, that's what God does. When we take responsibility for our sin, when we turn to Him, when we run to Him and go to Him, He covers our shame. He covers our guilt. That's grace. Number two, so don't be deceived. Number two, delight in the, in the Lord. Delight in the Lord. If God is the one thing, the one thing that we can count on to bring about absolute goodness in our life, then we have to seek Him. We have to seek Him out. We need more of Him in our lives. Look, this is just very basic, okay? Um, basic stuff. We need more of God in our lives. That means more time praying. That means more time Bible reading. That means less time us. That means more time talking to others about God. That means more time investing in our family about God. To have just more of God in our life, that's what it means to take delight in the Lord. To make Him our ultimate desire so that He can fulfill the desires in our hearts. Psalm 37, 4, I love this verse. Delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Yeah, remember, temptation always begins with desire. Always begins with desire. If we delight in the Lord, what do we get? Desire from the very beginning. We get to bypass all that other stuff. We get to bypass deception. We get to bypass disobedience. And we get to bypass death when we just delight in the Lord and we allow Him to provide our desires on His time. And in his way. If we fill our life with God, not only will God provide and fulfill those desires, but look, we will be less likely to give in to temptation. We will be able to have the life that God wants for us. A life that trusts God during the trials. And a life that turns to him during temptations. That's what God wants. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for our time together this morning. Father, I pray that we would understand temptation. That we would see the dangers of it. That we would see how it works. That we would understand our weaknesses. That we would understand our desires. Father, I pray this morning that we would be real about sin and temptation in our own lives. That we would not play the blame game. 
that when we sin, it's out of the desires of our own heart. Father, help us to guard our hearts this morning. Father, help us to take delight in you. Father, help us to put more of you in our life. And Father, we should never doubt your, your goodness. We should never doubt your motives. You've already displayed your love to us by sending your son Jesus to die for us. Father, you took the blame for our sin. And this morning, we thank you for that. Forgive us for when we fall short. Strengthen us to live out, uh, not only today, but the coming days ahead for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.